Hey everybody, this is Patrick Pollock with the Everyday Teacher Podcast. This is episode three. We are rolling. We are three episodes, three weeks uh, with this type of success. We'll get to episode four next week. So we're really excited about that. Um, really appreciate so the following so far. A lot of good feedback. So keep it coming, good, bad, or ugly. Uh, our goal is just to create something that you enjoy, something that you can benefit from. Again, the purpose of this podcast is to take a look at a day in the life of a teacher. What do teachers, administrators, administrators, counselors deal with on a day-to-day basis? It's to pull back the curtain to give you, the listener, an idea of what really education is all about. And I'm really excited to have one of my favorite admins here uh, coming to us. Uh, her name is Tessa Samuelson. Uh, she teaches at San Clemente Christian School in San Clemente, California, and uh, I had the privilege of working for her for a year and a half, and uh, she was nice enough to agree to join us today. Tessa, how are you doing today on this Monday? I'm doing great, and I'm super excited to be here, and I have to say I'm, I'm, I'm glad I won out on episode three. Good things come in threes, so yes, go episode abs- three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Three, three is the magic number. That's, that's what we learned <laughs> when we were kids. So, um, so let's kind of jump right in. Uh, you're, the, you're a principal, and uh, you were my principal for a year, and uh, as, as this episode unfolds, we'll probably get into some of the blue chair conversations that we had, um, <laughs> and I can certainly share my own personal insight as a teacher working for a principal, Tessa specifically, about what I view from a teacher standpoint as an administrator. So if you could just tell the good people, um, A, how you got into teaching, and then more importantly, what led you to administration? Sure, awesome. Um, A little trip down memory lane, it seems like forever ago, but I've been in teaching about 20 years now, which when I say that number, it actually scares me just a little bit. I never thought I'd get there, but (laughs) um, I I started in education um, halfway through my college years. I actually went in as speech path, so I have my um, undergraduate work on speech pathology, and so when I was interning and doing some work in the school systems, I loved the teaching component of speech path, and so that really just resonated with my heart, and so I reversed gear and went into education courses and um, took me a little longer for my undergraduate, but I got it and um, graduated with elementary education um, degree. And then of course, continued on through my master's and now I'm finishing up my doctorate. And so I'm that lifelong learner, but I love um, kids and I love teaching. And what's been really interesting in this journey more so than anything is my transition to teaching in the classroom with kids ranging from age you know, five to 13, 14 years old to actually working with teachers and teaching adults in the classroom and providing professional development. And that has really resonated with my heart and pulled me into the admin role. Awesome. I, I, don't, I, I think I'm going to have to start practicing Dr. Samuelson. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, instead of a blue chair to sit in, I'm going to need a couch to lay down on and right, you can right. psychoanalyze my, uh, my hiccups. And, and just real quick, I keep referring to this blue chair conversation. <laughs> when I was working, again, Tessa was uh, the elementary school principal at the school uh, I was at. And in her office, those small, they had this small blue chair, probably for a first grader. And uh, she had other adult sized chairs, but I just gravitated <laughs> toward the blue chair. And sometimes I would just walk into her office and I would sit down into the blue chair. And if anything, it became this ritual where it's like, hey, this is actually a serious conversation. This isn't me just loitering. Um, 
and uh, it became kind of a running joke uh, that is a time for a blue chair conversation. I'm like, oh, I think so. And so, yeah, so if I keep referring back to it, that's what it's referring to. But <laughs> you, to, from a teacher standpoint, to be able to have a relationship with your administrator where you can come in, sit down and have meaningful conversations. And I know we're going to dive into this as an administrator. You want your teachers to be able to have those conversations with you. What that does, it, it builds a trust, a relationship. So when they need you to do something, you do it. Or if you need them to back you on something, they're there in, in, to support you. So um, teachers, I, I, I encourage the blue chair, your blue chair conversation. So um, how did your school, kind of switching gears here in regards to the pandemic, how did your school respond to the pandemic the distant learning component, good, bad, indifferent. What does hindsight say now? If you can kind of guess share what how you guys dealt with it, that'd be great. Right, right. Well, um, I don't want to come off, um, you know, necessarily bragging on my teachers and staff, but I'm going to because they Excellent. were amazing. They flipped in in their classroom instruction. They flipped their curriculum. They flipped their atmosphere, everything on a dime and really took off with online learning. And we did a pretty extensive online program. Um, so March 16th, I think it was a Friday, was our last day of school here on campus. That Monday we did training. And then that following Tuesday, kids were in school virtually live uh -huh. online. Wow. Monday through Friday. So they really, really took off. I mean, we have a great, um, we have great resources in terms of technology and training, but they were already using programs like Seesaw and Google Classroom and Zoom. Great. So all of those things were very familiar with them, um, to them, and they were able to take off easily. And they really, um, my teacher stepped up to the plate. And blue care chair conversations continue to happen virtually because they're as they started to get going sure. and moving they'd come in and they'd be like okay this is too much or this isn't working or how do we do this and it was just a whole set of different problems but all with the same basis and you're right you're absolutely right patrick building that trust and that relationship ahead of time i knew my teachers i knew they could carry through i knew they could do it um they did work extra hours they did work extra hard but you know what our education was still excellent and i felt very very good about um, putting forth a product especially in private school environment we we are salespeople sure. we're selling a product um, right. that was excellent quality we did not dip we did not regress um, our kids we tested we you know at the end of the year with great. them and and we didn't see those dips so i know my teachers carried on they did a great job and i think the pandemic more than anything um, inspired them and taught them a lot of new lessons that's that's awesome, and I think in in obviously every, every school district in America, every teacher in America, every principal in America was, you know, it was it was a it was a sucker punch to the gut. It was something that we didn't really see coming, and if anything, the pandemic exposed who was ready. And um, again, teaching in the virtual space, uh, it, it was obviously nothing really changed for us per se. But talking with friends and, and former colleagues, depending on what school they were at and what their district initiatives were, the, sometimes the change was seamless, as in your case. Um, yes, probably a little bit more had to go into it from a prep standpoint, which is understandable. But you know, the teachers that were used to making photocopies every morning really, really struggled. And it's unfortunate. It's not that they're bad teachers, and I would never, ever, ever, ever 
say anything negative about a teacher or the teaching profession. But if anything, hopefully what it did do was get teachers to reflect upon where they're at in their teaching journey, where they're at in their career as a teacher, and what are the things that they need to do now to prepare for whatever's coming next. And I know the fall is still a big mystery. Uh, and again, I'll, in a minute here, I'd love to get your take on what you guys might be doing for the fall. Um, but it, I think if anything, the pandemic really showed the, the, the willingness and readiness for teachers to adapt. And I think the, the mantra is, I think most teachers pivoted, they didn't panic. And as a result, uh, kids got a sound education. Now, if you talk to parents, they're going to probably give you their two cents, which parents love to do. <laughs> two cents and a dollar can't get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. We know this to be true, but not that that information is not important. But if anything, I'd like to think that parents now, legal guardians, what have you, have a deeper appreciation of the day-to-day -day efforts that teachers, administrators, people in the education community make on a regular basis. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how, how do you define your role as principal at your school? Not like the principal title in general, okay? Not <laughs> principal, right? Um, it's it's, uh, it's uh, like specifically, how do you view your role at your school? And, and what are some of the challenges you face? They could be day-to-day, -day, they could be year-wide, what have you. So if you could share some of that with us, that'd be awesome. Right. And I think you're absolutely right in terms of this being my role at this school, because I've been principal at three schools now and every role has looked a little bit different. So I would imagine, you know, public versus private versus charter versus a thousand kids to 200 kids at junior high, elementary, high school. They're all different roles and you have different things. So um, I think in terms of my position here, um, I was just thinking about this question as you were as you were speaking and there's a child or um, a book written some time ago and it's called Caps for Sale. I don't know if you um, remember yeah, reading I, that I, book, but it's, it's no, a puddler and you have this big tile you know huge thing of caps that he sends around and anyway he falls asleep and the monkeys take his caps and he has to deal with all this monkey business and so anyway it just reminded me of you know came to my mind as my role as a principal because first of all I wear many hats or many caps, so to speak. Um, I have mm -hmm. that tower that I clean, you know, that I carry with me every day. And it's everything from state to federal documentation, you know, attendance, sure. training teachers, you know, working on report cards, communicating with parents, you know, putting forth a vision for our school, you know, managing the curriculum, mapping what we're doing from year to year, all of those things that principals do. But I'm also cleaning toilets. I'm picking up, you know, trash in the hallways. I'm, I'm wiping snotty noses. I'm taking kids out to lunch. I'm meeting parents for coffee. You know, I, there's so many different things that I do. So my, my hats or my caps that I wear are so varied and so different, which I think that's what makes me fall in love every day with my job. And I think awesome. um, there have been other positions that I've held um, as a principal or as an administrator that they were very specific. You are in charge of right. curriculum. You are in charge of discipline. You are in charge of, you know, communicating the vision. Um, and this one's not, it's just, we are a family and all hands on deck. And if I'm in the classroom teaching for half a day, then I enjoy teaching for half of the day. You know, it's just, it's just how it is. And I think I love that about my job. And so 
I am in that peddler with all of those hats dealing with the monkey business, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Hats for sale. Here's a dunce cap for you. So, exactly. With that being said, obviously having to constantly change gears at, at the drop of a hat, keeping the pun mm -hmm. alive and well. Um, what are some of the challenges you face then as a principal? I mean, what, what are what are some really sticking points that maybe you've had to deal with this year that, um, you know, where you're drawing on expertise or maybe you're drawing on mm -hmm. outside, you know, expertise, or maybe you're just circling the wagons with your crew and being like, hey, here's the issue let's get some insight like so, so what are some of these challenges that, that you're faced with as principal at your school right well here's a couple that just come to mind um first of all um um and this has to do with me personally because i'm i tend to be kind of a perfectionist and when that happens as an administrator not true <laughs> <laughs> not true <laughs> it, it, it sorry, really is a struggle for me because i don't let things go i'll just do them myself you know right. and i need to be more trusting of my staff and and allow them the opportunity to grow and to develop and do amazing things that i would never Never even have thought of but for me to hand over those reins and loosen up right. a little bit is difficult for me so that's a very personal True. struggle and I deal with that daily um, the other one that comes to mind is um, um, what was I gonna say meeting all the needs there's a lot of needs that come sure. in and I also am a very um, I'm a rule follower I always have been I'm not I'm one of those you know kids on the playground if you don't play by the rules don't play my game you know <laughs> So right, I'm like, these are right. the rules, use the handbook, follow them. But I also right. feel that God is teaching me through this um, that, you know what, grace is important and flexibility is right. important in learning right. about people and their stories and their lives and, and bending things so that you can work with people better. That's who I've called you to sure. be as an example of me. And, and, and I think Christ is really growing me in that area. And I feel through my right. administrative experience, I'm getting a little bit better at it, but I have right. been ingrained to be such a rule follower. It's been difficult. <laughs> right. No, and I think, and again, you know, what was, what was great about, again, working uh, with you and for you uh, for that time is that, uh, you know, one, th one thing, and we've talked about this on numerous occasions is that, you know, you, I think you recognize that I possessed certain talents and, and, and I could do certain things. I, I wasn't a rookie off the street that I had some semblance of what needed to be done, understanding some of the challenges that was going to be faced. And, and you gave me room to blow it. And uh, but you, you always seem very timely to be able to step in and be like, hey, have a seat or hey come in my office and and as 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 you know those conversations always worry me but at the end of the day those were so necessary and i think you know that's a sign of a good administrator that um yes there are times where you just for the sake of time or in an effort to get something done that you're just going to take over and get it done with and is it undue pressure on yourself sure However, it, you know, that's just probably what needed to be done at that point. Um, and at the same time, learning to trust your people and letting their talents shine through. And in, and in education, we speak uh, to we're blue in the face about collaborative efforts and PLCs and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's just those are the environments that 
allows you to be a better administrator and then the the teachers themselves underneath you or working alongside with you really allow them to you know get to the next level so um yeah i think and again i always appreciated that um you know from from you for sure um so uh and, and this is something i kind of witnessed firsthand uh is that you uh you're rolling out something new right you, you've got uh, something whether it's ela or new textbooks or or move into whatever program and uh every school has those seasoned teachers that have been teaching since the day of moses you know with stone tablets and you know everything was in you know aramaic and and they've seen it all they, they and and now you're bringing something new to the table because you're seeing you know what the benefits are and that teacher might be pretty reluctant into wanting to do the new so with that being said how do you engage those teachers that are reluctant to kind of move their own needle if you will uh, to to be better i mean and i get you're 30 40 years in and they remember you know the days of the ditto machine and and now you know everything is electronic so how do you motivate them or or what 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 do you do to get them to kind of buy into to what you're doing I think I think that um, it's a couple a couple of different things, but one of them in terms of motivation is, and e even when you're dealing with children, it's the same thing. And I'm not comparing necessarily adult teachers to children, but you really have to dig deeper than what you right. see on the surface. So if a teacher is pushing Absolutely. back to you know about you know initiative that you want to set forth or a program you want to start or a change that you need to have happen in the classroom, it's not necessarily that is the thing there might be something underlying and i think taking the sure. time to really dig into that is important and one of the things that i have found and in most occasions 95 percent of the occasions where i'm asking a teacher to do something to make a change it's mm -hmm. embedded in fear fear of the sure. unknown i haven't done this i'm not trained properly i'm not comfortable with this right. and that's where right. i as an administrator step in that's where i want to be you know that leader that that you know hand holder that you know that motivator that encourager because i think it starts with training so these right. teachers when you ask them to do something you need to provide them the training the research behind why it works and why you want to do it they have to have buy into it why is this important is sure. it just because tessa samuelson says this is what we have to do no it's been right. proven there's statistics behind it these are right. some of the things that i think are important to, to look into and if you can get through that fear and i've i've taught with teachers i've come into the classroom and said let me show you what i'm talking about and i've done an example lesson or i've right. you know initiated the movement that uh -huh. i wanted them to do and every single time they've been extremely appreciative oh my goodness thank you i totally understand what you're asking me to do and i can do that now awesome. and i think holding their hand through that change and saying we're in this together you know we're walking along the beach it's you and i i'm with you and if i and and if, if you you know need any help just reach out i'm right here so right. one of the things um that i like to do is make sure of course they know the reason behind what i'm what i'm asking them to do that they're properly mm -hmm. trained i've given them every benefit of the doubt i am there to walk with them side by side now if that does not encourage them and they are still reluctant or unmotivated to change i can honestly tell you teaching's not their gig they need to get out right, right. <laughs> i mean to put no, it blank I, yeah. 
you know, I just, there's, there's kids that need the best. And if we're really working on best practices right. and in excellence in education, and, and I'm giving you or trying to give you something to help make you better, that's my job. And you're right. reluctant to even try, then right. I'm not sure that this is a great place for you. Right. No. And I think and that's, yeah. And I, and I've in, in my short tenure as an educator, I, I've certainly have seen that where the, <laughs> the class half empty people um, are really quick to say no to something uh, because it's something new or they view it as an additional task. Um, earlier this year, I was, I was taking part in a professional development day and they had this uh, guest speaker uh, he had been a principal at a number of schools and he's written a couple books now. And, and he was talking about uh, this very same problem. And one of the things that he said was uh, they, they had asked their teachers to start doing a blog and the blog, the purpose of the blog was to essentially get their thoughts. It was a, it was a reflection piece. Um, you know, reflection should be a big part of education because that's how you get better and he's like, there was this one teacher who had been there a while and they were having no part of it. So uh, he decided that he was going to spend some time in their classroom just to get them to get to, get to know them better. So um, and he, he said, hey, I'm, I'm hanging out in here. I'm not here to judge you. I, I just need a place to work. And are you, if you're cool with it, and the teacher was totally fine with it. And he spent the next couple of periods watching this teacher teach. And he just saw amazing things go on in this classroom. And so afterwards, and, and this is, I guess, you know, kind of the, you know, as an administrator, how do you get people to buy in? He, he sat the teacher down and said, hey, I, I just watched three of the most amazing hours ever. I, I, I am totally... Uh, I feel really bad that I have not done this sooner and watched the level of engagement you have with your kids and, and how it's just a great environment. And then this is how he got fine. He's like, what would you say if you and I sat down, jotted down some of your best practices, and then we wrote about it? And, and like, if you, let's, I'll interview you. You give me the information. I'll write it. And then together, we'll put it to the to the group. And she was totally on board. You know, mm -hmm. so it's just... And I think that's the thing. And, and I think in my experience, the good administrators I've had have done stuff like that, that they're partnering with their teachers to get them over the hump of the unknown, the new. Um, and at the same time, does old school wisdom, is that essential to teaching? Absolutely. I mm -hmm. think you can't forget the thousands of years of educators that came before us, where it's Aristotle or, you know, Tessa Samuelson, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's one of those deals where it's like, we can't forget that knowledge, but if there's something new out there that can really, you know, broaden the horizons of a, of, of, a, of, a, of a student, then let's figure out ways to do it. And I just, again, I think the good administrators do that. The other administrators that, that they're not people person, <laughs> you know, they might just be good at doing a curriculum map or, you know, let's do the master schedule. Right. So, but I get that. So, all right. So I have a quote for you and I would love your initial reactions. Okay. Initial reactions or, and then we can kind of dive deep into it. And it says, here's the quote, understanding your student population. will. let me see. Sorry, I'm going to start again. Under, understanding your student population will guide how, when, 
what and why you teach. All right. So understanding your student population will guide how, when, what, and why you teach. Mm -hmm. All right. And as an administrator, knowing your student population, how do you answer those how, when, what, and whys? I love that. And I think it's so vital. I mean, that brings us back to the people part of people, like knowing, having a relationship, building a trust, knowing who you're serving and why you're serving them is so important. Every right. school, every system needs to have, you know, their values out in front. This is why we do what we do. And to follow those and to come back to those and to train on those and to understand those is going to deal basically with the students that you have in, in, in your school or in your population and meeting their needs. Education is about meeting the needs of students. It's point blank. Like whether it's academic, whether it's social emotional, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, we're in this to meet the needs of our students. So in any way that we can do that, that allows them to grow and succeed and become better people and in my environment become closer to Christ, that's mm -hmm. our goal. And so looking at this quote and understanding your student population and their families um, will guide how, when, what, and why you teach. I think that's super important. A, to be aligned, to put those that vision, that mission out in front and say, this is what we're about. And because I have um, a population that's just not given to me, it's a population mm -hmm. where I actually get to sit down, I interview families and I learn about them. Right. And we decide together if this is the school that best fits their needs as a family, it right. allows me more opportunity to do so because they learn about us as a school. I learn about them as a family. And then we make the decision together if this is the environment that will be most successful, most beneficial and provide most growth to their child, to, to their children or, or child. So I love it. It totally makes sense. And understanding your, your, your people is key to any successful company, business, school, community, right. all Absolutely. of it. Yeah, no, I mean, very well said. And I think there, therein lies, I think, I think back to when I was a student and it just seemed like the, the teacher stood up and, you know, gave this Gettysburg address type um, lesson or lecture or pressed play on the VCR uh, or what have you, and then give a test or open up your textbook, you know, in, in and I, th I think back to that, where now it's like when I sit, you know, in front of my screen or when I was in front of a classroom, it's so like interactive. It needs to be so much more dynamic. And, and if you don't understand your players, you cannot be an effective teacher. And I always found it discouraging when, I mean, we're, we're always going to have, there's always that one student in your class. Let's, let's not, be reticent to that. I mean, I was probably that one student. I'm sure I was certainly <laughs> that employee. Um, but uh, there's got to be a way to to reach that kid. And and I know, at, you know, when we were working together, I know there was a handful of kids that, you know, we chatted about like, hey, what are the ways we need to kind of get into that you know, uh, get with that kid to figure out what, what's making them tick and, and, you know, you know, how is he doing this? When is he doing what and the why's? And I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. If, if we're not engaged in making efforts to understand who we're serving, then, then we're going to be missing the boat and, and that, that becomes unfortunate. And we probably uh, see more losses than wins at that point. If mm -hmm. we're just going to go into this cookie cutter model and that's this, 
uh, you know, not, <laughs> not, not, not <laughs> happening. So, well, awesome. So I, I have one other thing that I would like to ask you, and this is kind of off the cuff. We just kind of came to my noodle as we were talking is if you had your, your oldest graduates when, when she graduates from college, right? Whenever that is. And she turns to you and says, mom, I want to go into education. All right. What, or, or even your son, which would be amazing. I would love <laughs> to see that happen. Uh, uh, I would love to see that happen. Um, but what they obviously you, you've, you've, you've been at the schools that they've been at. You've, you know what kind of students they are, you know what kind of people they are on campus. You have this new teacher and, or you have somebody wanting to go into teaching. What is some nugget of information as an administrator or as a teacher or as a parent, as a mother, as a friend, what, what wisdom could you, you know, kind of impose upon them that can help make their decision one way or another. I mean, you give them the God's honest truth and be like, <laughs> no, I don't want this. <laughs> back, away, <laughs> back away, back <laughs> away. Find my happy place, you know? So, I mean, what, what, what would you say to them um, about, about education? Mm -hmm. I love that question. I love it. And I want to go back to, you know, my daughter, who's going to be a senior next year. And if she legitimately came to me and said, Mom, I want to go into education. The first thing I'm going to tell her straight off the bat, and this is from a mom's heart and an administrator and a teacher and 20 years of teaching experience. Do not do it for the money. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because do you're not going to yes. get paid very much at all. No, yeah, but I it's a labor of love. Right. You have to love what you do because it right. is hard and there are hours. It is not a nine to five job. It absolutely yep. is. And I don't know an administrator that has been in my presence that can, can be excellent in what they do from nine to five. It's just impossible right. because your heart goes home with every one of those kids. You're praying right. for them at night. You're planning for them. You're, you know, fretting over emails to best communicate to their parents. I mean, it's a 24 seven job and yes. you have to love it because if you don't love it and if you don't like changing the lives of children and being in it to win it, don't get into right. education. Just yeah. it's, it's not, for, it's not for you. Yeah. So love what you do. In my daughter's case, marry somebody that makes good money. No, I just, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <I'm fine>. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's funny. As as you know, right before we came on, I was telling you I was having breakfast with um, a former student of mine, a former player of mine, and it, I met his girlfriend. And she was she had spent a year in corporate America, and now she's going into teaching. And and she uh, she's going back to the teaching at the school that she went to school at. She went K through twelve, small Christian school mm -hmm. up in Washington State, and uh, she's teaching sixth grade math. And um, I, I kind of dispelled those same kind of things. I said, you know, you have a real cool story to tell the fact that you went to that school, you're from the area. I mean, there's a lot of cool things you can hang your hat on, which will make you an effective teacher in the classroom. And uh, knowing that uh, my, my former student is a Microsoft, uh, you know, software engineer and, and doing quite <laughs> You're, you're certainly meeting that criteria um, if I'm finding someone who is, is doing well <laughs> uh, in the pocketbook. So, um, well, look, I can't, A, I will always be, I feel a level of indebt to you. Just, I think you, you helped uh, me a lot uh, in my transition going from big public to small private. 
in the time that I was able to work with and for you and, and obviously the impact you've had on me, you know, obviously you probably wouldn't be sitting here on the other side of my screen um, having this conversation. So I, I've, I, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I, I deeply appreciate you and, and loved all the things that you did for me. Um, just give me the opportunity. And, and again, for the listeners, just so you know how I really got the job and is my daughter's name is Tessa as well. I came up, when that came up in the interview, it was kind of like, I don't need to do anything else. Done, done. Uh, she's got an amazing name. Therefore, we're, we're good to go. So, again, I, I, I deeply appreciate, um, you know, all the time and energy you invested in me and, and um, I look to I look forward to many more blue shirt conversations uh, off the cuff. Love it. Um, I love and, it. But I really I really do appreciate you spending some time uh, with me this afternoon talking about education. I really do. Awesome. Thank you, Patrick. I'm happy to be here, and I can't wait to see where this goes and the lives that you impact through your words of wisdom. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, that wraps up another episode. Episode three. Yes, that's correct. Episode three. We're wrapping it up with Tessa Samuelson, principal at San Clemente Christian School in San Clemente, California. Uh, we'll be dropping it later uh, this week. And uh, next week, we'll get episode four going. And uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. Um, go ahead. You can post comments below in the comments section. You can hit me up on Facebook or Twitter. And uh, we look forward to our next episode. Have a great day and keep learning.